It's Gary Parish. It's Friday, December 11, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and I suppose we'll start with the happenings at Duke. When we last spoke to you, Duke had lost by double digits at home to Illinois, and Mike Krzyzewski was wondering out loud if we should even be playing college basketball games right in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime, and if so whether there is a smarter way to do it because Duke is two and two people got their jokes in most of them dumb and then on Thursday Duke announced it will not play any more non-league games big headline in the sport Norlander what do you make of what's happening at Duke well it's just one game so it's a big headline because it's the timing of all this uh, kind of magnifies the headline, in my opinion, here. Duke- yeah, let, let me let me stop you there. Because it, uh, when I, th- I think it was Jeff Goodman initially tweeted, it was like, Duke has canceled all non-league games. And it was like, ooh. And then it was like, they only have one. It's Gardner-Webb. So Duke, uh, alternative headline, Duke will not play Gardner-Webb. Cor- absolutely correct. Because when And credit to Goodman for getting the scoop and breaking it. Um, but when I saw the tweet, I was like, oh, wow. And then I, and then I brought up Duke's schedule, and I was like, oh. It's Gardner Webb, but the context of all this is, and, and the timing of all this uh, really does inflate it because, you know, we're coming off a, a 15 point home loss to Illinois, and then Shashevsky uh, is asked about this, and he doesn't offer up a, a diatribe. It's not a grand opening statement. He's just asked about it, and he says what he says, and he. This is not new, by the way. I I don't know if we mentioned this on the podcast or not. I think I mentioned on an HQ hit. Um, but Krzyzewski was adamant in the ACC meetings uh, and uh, in other meetings that he didn't want to start the season until January. So this this part of it is not new. It's just the season's now here. People pay more attention and Mike Krzyzewski is on press conferences way more. For, he, he did like one in the entirety of the offseason. So that's also why. So then um, it announces that it's not going to play any more non-conference games, which means just Gardner-Webb. Um, you know, just for a little bit of context with all this, and this is not unique to Duke by any means, but Duke had also basically, I've been told that Duke had tried to reschedule three different teams. They never announced those games. This is with previous cancellations and postponements. And they basically got to like the final step. And then for one reason or another, they kept losing these opponents. And so uh, between that and what Krzyzewski said, I think all of that um, went into this plus I mean, quite clearly, and we will get to Nate Oates in a second. I know people are listening because they want us to talk about Nate Oates going after K, and we're going to do that, and I'll play the audio in, in a few here. Um, but quite clearly, uh, Shashevsky is doing this because he thinks his team needs a break. Uh, and could that be because they're 2-2, two and two, and if they were 4-0, might that not be the case? Actually, it might not be the case, Parrish. I mean, if the team was 4-0 and and beat Michigan State by 10 and Illinois by 17, they might be in a better spot. They they wouldn't be in a great spot. No one's in a great spot in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of this lifetime. But but there could be some, you know, a real situation with their players there that they just need a break, and Krzyzewski's going to send them home for effectively five or six days from, I guess, the 16th or the 17th until they return on the 23rd or 24th. So they're not even technically home for Christmas. And again, I can't, I'm turning into parish. I can't remember if I said this on the podcast or a different outlet, but um, Mike Krzyzewski and Roy Williams, I was told were adamant on ACC calls over the, in the fall that they would not entertain any possibility of the ACC, like playing games on Christmas and not sending their players home for Christmas. These were things that they did not budge on. So I'm not surprised at this, even though, um, there's two things happening here. Mike Krzyzewski is l- trying to look out for the collective well-being of his team, and he just sees a situation right now where he says, my guys have basically lived in a couple of spots, and Brendan Marks at The Athletic did some good reporting on this, where they, they basically are either in the gym practicing or playing, or they're, or they're in um, their own uh, living spaces, and it's just they're either in one or the other, one or the other, and it's been that way since August. Uh, but also, Mike Krzyzewski doing this is specifically going against the advice of the CDC, which says, if you can avoid it, do not travel during the holiday season. And that is, in fact, what Duke players will do when they go home and then return to campus. Right. So that that's where the, the, the 
if you want to take shots, that's the place to do it. Because, okay, Mike Krzyzewski's trying to be safe and smart on one hand, but then on the other, doing something in total defiance of the CDC. He says, my players need to go home, so they're going to go home. They need to see their families, so they're going to see their families. You know, like, my kids need to see their grandfather, but they're not going to. You know, uh, you know, the, the CDC has advised against, strongly suggested, uh, do not travel for the holidays, do not gather for the holidays. So if you want to focus on that point and just bang, 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 I, I got you. I actually disagree with Mike on this part, too. Um, I, I understand not, not wanting to play under these circumstances. I, I disagree with going home. And I understand that people want to see their families. Like, I, I'm not arguing against that. I'm just saying that, you know, when the best – health officials in our country say that you shouldn't do this thing that Duke is planning to do, then, then Duke shouldn't be doing what it's planning to do. So like, if that's the point you want to hammer home, I, I'm with you on that one. Um, beyond that, I sort of just roll my eyes at, cause uh, listen, this, this was uh, uh, announced while I was on radio. So I didn't have time. I've had some people like, so why didn't you weigh in on it? Because I was literally talking live on radio. I didn't, I, you know, I was trying to do what I was paid to do at that point, and I'll do other things later. But when it was, but I did see the responses to the announcement, and it was like, oh, Duke loses two games, and uh, now they're canceling everything. They canceled a game against Gardner Webb. All right, they canceled a win. Let's be honest. It, like if they had a upcoming game against Gonzaga or Baylor, or based on what I saw Thursday night, San Diego State. And they canceled. Then that's the place to say, "Oh, Duke, Duke lost to Michigan State. Duke lost to Illinois. They don't want to take another loss." They canceled one game against Gardner Webb. Mike, Krzyze whatever Mike Krzyzewski retires with the win column, it will be one fewer win than what he would have retired with if he didn't cancel this game. So they're not running from anything other than the virus. They're not running from basketball. They're not running from Gardner Webb. They, they Mike, genuinely doesn't want to play these games, didn't want to play any of these games. And I think for lack of a better phrase is putting his money where his mouth was after the loss to Illinois. I saw that a lot. Hey, Mike Krzyzewski, if you're wondering whether you, you sh we should be playing and you don't think um, we should play and you're taking like sort of subtle shots at the NCAA, then hey, nobody's making you play. You don't have to play. I, I saw a lot of that, which is, accurate you know they I, I do think there are certain schools where it's not up to the coach if the ad or the president says play you play but nobody's telling mike Krzyzewski what he has to do from a scheduling perspective from an anything perspective so when people countered what mike said after the illinois loss with hey if you don't want to play don't play um i thought that was a totally reasonable point and this was mike stepping up a day later and saying you know what you're right i, I don't have to play so we're not going to and I do think that is in some way leading by example. If you have real hangups about what we're doing and how we're doing it, then if you have the power to not do it, then don't do it. And that is what he decided to do. And it should be noted that, and we've talked about this before. We talked about this in the offseason. Mike Krzyzewski never wanted us to go about this this way. This isn't somebody taking two losses and then saying, you know what, I don't know if we should be playing. This is somebody saying, I don't know if we should be playing right now, who was saying, I don't know if we should be playing right, you know, under these circumstances all summer, all preseason. Mm -hmm. Mike Krzyzewski was the leader on the ACC coaches Zoom calls who insisting, let's try to just, let's just play each other. I, I'm telling you as a fact, Mike Krzyzewski wanted to play ACC-only schedules, conference-only schedules that started later, perhaps in January. Um, obviously, he got overruled one way or another, but he did not want to play in November and December. And, and, and he is also somebody who has taken this virus seriously from the jump. He, you know, they didn't bring their players back till August you know, most college basketball players are on campus in June. They didn't bring their players back till August. He didn't want to do what he's been doing. And then ultimately he decided we're not going to do it anymore. I, I have nothing but respect for the decision. Would it have played better if he would have said in the preseason, the ACC has given us a schedule. We'll play that schedule, but we're not doing anything outside of that schedule. Yes, it would have played better if he'd have done it that way, as opposed to doing it after you lose by double digits to Illinois. But I, I, I just, I, I know 
from talking to people that he was always against this. And I have nothing but respect for him deciding to pull the plug on what he pulled the plug on, which again was one game against Gardner Webb. It is one game against Gardner Webb, but it's Duke, it's Krzyzewski, so it's going to draw a lot of attention there. And this coming after what he said, I, w- I will add that I did, I did expectedly hear from some coaches and uh, even an administrator about all of this on Thursday and then even into Friday morning, got a couple of texts. And there are some that agree entirely with Mike Krzyzewski um, and and some that don't. I mean, the administrator started his text message to me with a Jerry Maguire, who's coming with me gif. And that's in reference to, if you've seen the movie, where Jerry Maguire quits his job as an agent at the firm and then no one goes along with it. So it was kind of like, Mike Krzyzewski's kind of an, on an island here. Another coach said, it's a bad look from the most powerful coach in the game. I'm a big proponent on the mental health side, but the idea that these kids are, quote, in jail, end quote, is ludicrous. They are in luxury apartments, getting free catered meals and hooping. Challenges for sure. Come on, man. Got a couple more of those as well. And I also got a text from a coach that says, Mike understands this as well or better than anyone else. Duke has taken every single precaution. If he wants to take off one game, that's totally his right, and everyone's just going to attack him because he's Coach K. So there are opposing opinions on both sides of this, as were to be expected. Now let's get to Nate Oates, who on Thursday had media availability. Obviously, it was done over Zoom, so he was at a dais, but he's taking questions from the media. This is one minute, 58 seconds long. I'm going to play it for you in full. This was how Nate Oates' media availability went, and then obviously, subsequently, his quotes went viral. You something? Yeah, I just want to know your opinion. Do you think if Coach K hadn't lost the two non-conference games at home, if he'd still be saying that? Probably not. Okay. That's, I just wanted you to say it, not me. So, I, uh, look, here's, here's my deal on it. I think we'd have a whole lot more problems if we weren't playing games. Like, they, they I mean, don't, everybody talks about COVID. Here's the other thing. If COVID is so bad, all these – I'm look, I'm trying to do my best to keep the mask up. I've already had COVID, so I don't even – I technically I shouldn't have to keep it up. Nobody can get it from me. No, I'm still within the 150 days that the NCAA's recommended. I see all these other guys that haven't had it, and they're masked down the whole game. It's like they got a chin strap on. So if they're really worried about COVID – You'd think their mask would be up the whole, whole game, right? Like, I mean, they. So, I think some of them are are using. Uh, uh, no, we should be playing, in my opinion. We 100% should be playing basketball. Nobody talks about the mental. I, I there's a kid out of Detroit that went to another high major that I just talked to his uncle the other day because his uh, his cousin played for me in Detroit. He went to a high major school somewhere. Mental health issue came home because he was quarantined for weeks on end when he got there. Like, what are, what are these guys going to do? If I got three daughters. Like, I, they, they need to be in school. Like, humans aren't made to sit alone in isolation for weeks and weeks on end. We, we got we to be careful with how we do life, but you still got to do life. Part of life, a huge part of life for all these guys I'm coaching is being in the gym playing basketball. So I think their mental health is – in a much better spot playing basketball. I think the school, the SEC, the NCAA has done a really good job making sure that we're not putting any of them in danger. So, I no, I don't agree with them at all. And I, you answered the question for me. So, okay, a couple things here. I'm going to throw it right back to you. Um, there is there are directly opposing views on this right now. Mike Shashevsky is saying, for my team's mental health, I'm sending it home. Nate Oates is saying. For my team's mental health, it needs to be playing basketball. Those are opposing viewpoints. There was a lot there from Nate Oates. Obviously, his uh, his attack at Mike Krzyzewski, which, by the way, he tried to step off a little bit. Like, he's using the reporter as a prop for his own opinion. Like, just own it if you're going to say it, Nate. Paris, your thoughts on that two-minute quote we just heard? I do think it is. Like, if you just single in on focus in on exactly what NATO said about K, which is I more or less, I mean, you're right. He used the reporter as a prop, but what he was saying was I, if Mike Krzyzewski was sitting here four, no with victories over Michigan state and Illinois, he ain't saying what he said. I do think that that is possible. I do think it's possible that he, I think Mike would have still held the same beliefs, but does he bring it up in a moment of frustration and disappointment? 
um, in a way that he would not have brought it up in a moment of Wendell Moore just scored 27 points and we just beat Illinois by 11. Maybe. Like, I, I think he would have held the same beliefs because I believe his beliefs are sincere, but perhaps not have expressed them if he were 4-0. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll acknowledge that that is a possibility. But the other stuff, um, I just couldn't disagree with more. We'd have more problems if we weren't playing. Like what, what problem? Financial problems, sure. But like health problems? You're not going to tell me that it's safer to play college basketball than it is to not play college basketball. It's nonsensical. I mean, it's a contact sport in a, in a pandemic, dumbest pandemic of my lifetime, where health officials say stay away from each other. Like I've talked to multiple coaches and athletic directors who have said we had zero positive tests in our program for months. Then we started live contact drills, outbreak. We started playing games, outbreak. It, it, it is undeniable that once you start setting ball screens and, uh, you know, fronting bigs that you – when you start playing basketball, if somebody on your team is carrying this virus, it spreads very quickly. So we'd have more problems if we weren't playing. Finan you'd have more financial problems if you weren't playing. You wouldn't have more virus problems if you weren't playing. Um, humans aren't meant to be in isolation is another point Nate said. Of, of course not. But what if they're only in isolation because they tested positive after they were playing basketball? Like what if basketball is what's putting them in isolation? So – you know, again, I just, I think that's misguided. And, you know, he says, we're not putting them in any danger. Really? I, I, I wonder what actual health officials would say about that. You're not putting them in any danger. Well, I, I know at multiple, there's like 25 teams, 30 teams totally shut down right now because of either a positive test or in some cases, as many as nine. I know one program that right now has nine players who have tested positive in the past 10 days, nine players, multiple coaches, multiple family members of people on staff. Um, basketball put them in more danger. That is undeniable. And let me be clear. I am not somebody who has ever said we shouldn't try to play basketball. I understand the financial uh, impact that, goes hand in hand with trying to do this with putting games on TV. I will be on TV later today talking about basketball. My job is, I don't want to say reliant on basketball being played, but certainly is enhanced on it is connected to basketball being played. I've never said, don't play basketball. I'm still not saying don't play basketball, but the idea that we're safer because we're playing basketball, I think that's just, that's just dumb. That's just a dumb thing to say. And, um, and Coach K's openly, K openly wondering whether there's a smarter way to do it. Again, if you go back to his comments from the other night, that's all he was doing. Like, should we be doing this? And if so, is there a better way to do it? That's really all he said. And I have said from the beginning, there is a better way to do this. Like, we, we might get through it, to use K's verb, plowing through. We might get through it. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think we will. But is there a better way to do it? I, I think there's quite clearly a better way to do it. It's, it's more expensive. It's more complicated. But there is a better way to do it. I want to clarify something that you said, though, um, because to this point, we don't have the data or science that specifically and explicitly states that transmission in competition is to be expected. Now, we don't. Why we don't have it, I don't know. But they've been monitoring this in all sports, indoor and outdoor. But I think the point you were trying to make here was that if someone on a team contracts COVID and you're in a team environment, um, you are, it is likely to potentially infect another person and another person. That would be the case at this point, particularly with indoor sports. And it's why college basketball is in the situation that it's in. We're still getting in plenty of games, but we have a higher uh, amount that have been postponed or canceled, Parrish, because there are, even though 357 teams aren't actually playing uh, this season because there's no IV and a few HBCUs have bailed out. Well, 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 well let, me, let me say this. I, I know some people have said, you know, there's no evidence that you, this spreads in the middle of competition. Like, oh, they don't have it yet. That's that is a factual statement. There has not been actual documentation that says that on field transmission or on court transmission. I'm not saying it, it is or isn't, but I'm just saying that is a factual statement at this point. I, I, and I'm just telling you that it defies common sense to 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 insist I, I that 
when you come out of a timeout and you are literally shoulder to shoulder with another human, if that per that you're not more again, let's just let's just speak in factual terms. The CDC says don't get close to people that are not in your family that live under your roof. Basketball players are told, get close to that person. Stay with them. How many times have you heard a basketball coach? Stay with them. Fight through it. Stay with them. Mm-hmm. It, it defies common sense and logic to think that playing basketball it does not put you at more risk of getting this virus than not playing basketball. Like, I, I just, I won't even argue the point. It's just common sense. Oates makes a good point uh, while also hurting his own case when he talks about the coaches that, you know, apparently haven't had COVID, you know, but wearing it like a chin strap, pulling it down. He's right, but he's, he's also point about, like, I got COVID, I'm, I'm good to go. We don't have science in on that either. So that's actually so he is absolutely right that if a coach is going to talk about concerns with COVID, but at the same time continually pull down his mask and scream at his players, that is a hypocritical stance. Yes, but Nate is a problematic messenger in that we don't have science in whether or not he can still be a danger to himself or others just because he's had COVID as well. So uh, keep that in mind as well. My last thing on this is that we almost never, ever, ever have someone publicly, a coach specifically in college basketball, actually go after Mike Krzyzewski. That was really, and this came before Duke announced it was bailing on Gardner-Webb, and obviously uh, it caused a bit of a stir, understandably so. Um, but the fact that it's Nate Oates doesn't surprise me. Nate Oates, at halftime, when his team was beating Arizona in the first round of the NCAA tournament, uh, said, we got the better team. And, <laughs> like, you, like, it was... <laughs> I was, I was, I think I was in Pittsburgh for the tournament when that happened, and so I didn't see it in real time. But it was one of those things. Like when it happened, it was like, did you hear what Nato said going into the locker room at halftime about a game that's not over yet against Arizona? And this is like when this was the Aiton year, like all right. the stuff happening with Arizona, and then they win, and he basically says in the post game, he's like, yeah, we've got just as much talent as Arizona. Like whoa. He also someone reminded actually uh, a couple people on Twitter and a couple coaches reminded me that he went after Calipari last season, I guess it was, and was like, or maybe it was two seasons ago, where he was like, Cal's whining. Yeah, he's always whining. We're young, 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 whatever. Let's just play the games. And then Kentucky beat him by like 28 points. So (laughs) uh, to be clear, college sports always needs more of this, okay? Guys straight up not afraid to get in front of a microphone and say what they want to say and not be afraid of like any sort of repercussions in terms of critiquing other coaches. You and I want that daily. So that was refreshing just purely on that level. But clearly, some of the stuff Nate Oates says, said uh, in that, in that two-minute clip I played, uh, problematic is a diplomatic way of saying it, even if he had one or two interesting or one or two headline-making quotes, uh, first and foremost with, um, with his just direct shot at K. If they were 4-0, would he be saying what he's saying? So Let me be clear. I love Nate Oates talking about his Buffalo team is better than Arizona and just as talented as the school that was allegedly buying players right and left shouts to Larnell and, and, you know, in, in, in possession of the subsequent number one pick in the NBA draft. And I love Nate Oates uh, talking about John Calipari whining all the time about being young and inexperienced. That's fair. I just, and I don't want to be over dramatic here, but I just, I, I get, frustrated when people are dismissive of this virus, whether it's a basketball coach or the person who lives next door to me, you know, um, my, my wife was knocked off her feet for five days by this virus. She wasn't going to die, but she felt like hell and she still does not feel normal. My coworker at 92.9 FM ESPN in in Memphis, her uh, mother died two weeks ago. Her mother was 75 years old, completely healthy, no underlying conditions other than her age. Her mother was a poll worker, you know, in the most recent election, not like a poll worker 20 years ago, like a poll worker last month. Um, Her mom, you know, went grocery shopping, like was living life, got sick, went into the hospital, still felt fine. Uh, my, uh, My friend Cindy talked to her mom on FaceTimed with her one night. She was fine. Called back the next day. Mom won't answer FaceTime. She gets concerned, calls the hospital. She's on a ventilator. She never came off the ventilator. Dead. 
the last time she talked to her mom, she did, had no idea that her mom was actually going to die. I mean, obviously, that's in the back of your mind when your 75-year-old mother is hospitalized with COVID. But literally went from talking to her mom on FaceTime one night to her mom's on a ventilator the next day to 11 days later, her mom's dead. Um, 292,000 Americans have died this year from this virus. And so it doesn't mean that we should shut down everything. I've never been a proponent of that. I will say I do agree with Nate when he says kids need to be in school. Like I'm, I'm living in a hot spot for COVID and my kids are in school because I, and I'm not even saying I made the right decision here, but you weigh the pros and cons of everything in this, in, in this year. And I recognized the damage that a lack of structure was having on my, particularly my younger boys. And we just decided as a family that they need to be in school, like whatever risk we're enduring are, none of this is perfect, but I'd I'd rather endure those risks than, than have them sitting on iPads all day long, running around the house in pajamas. Like they need to be in school learning young kids, especially learn better in person. I believe like Nate believes that children do need to be in school if at all possible, but you know, we'd have more problems if we weren't playing. Um, we're not putting any of our players in danger. Like that's just, I, I've, I just at my core, I don't believe those things are true. Um, again, there are basketball teams that are shut down right now with, you know, as many as nine positive tests. And that was quite clearly tied to playing basketball. There are humans that are in isolation right now because they were trying to play basketball. So I'm not against playing basketball, but let's not pretend that anybody's safer playing basketball. That's just, I I don't believe that's true. Um, We are, I I understand the reasons for playing basketball, but I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't think you could find many health officials who would tell you or any health officials who would tell you that humans are quote unquote safer trying to play a contact sport in the middle of a pandemic. Let's move on. San Diego State looks like it's on the verge of going undefeated for the second consecutive season. Uh, Ran Arizona State off the floor on Thursday night. We'll talk Aztecs next first. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So there was really only one notable game from Thursday night. It was San Diego State at Arizona State. Final score, Aztecs 80 Sun Devils 68. So San Diego State is now 5-0 and for the second consecutive season. Seems on the verge of going undefeated. Best two-loss undefeated team in history college basketball, as far as I'm concerned. That was last season. Seems on the verge of doing something similar again. I've moved them into the top 25-1, and one, Norlander. Mm. What do you make of San Diego State start to this season? They have, for people who are unfamiliar, beaten both Arizona State and UCLA. Those are the teams I think some people, not, not me, but some people had one and two in the Pac-12. They are now 2-0 and against Pac-12 teams, 3-0 and against everybody else. It should be noted UCLA was shorthanded. Arizona State was shorthanded, but whatever. San Diego State's 5-0 and with wins over two Pac-12 projected NCAA tournament teams. That's a good start to the season. 
Well, listen, I'm I'm eager to talk San Diego State, but you know, Booth got at 14 points in a in a 29 point win for Minnesota on on Thursday. So, you know, I did a little, have a little offended that that uh, wasn't your pivot was, point, but okay. I I I I was notified by someone on Twitter that Bokgok was having an incredible game. And so then I did turn it on. I saw him with my own eyes. Good to see him. Good to see him. Booth balling out from Minnesota. Shouts to uh, the Golden Gophers getting in uh Getting in a win. Six and zero are is Minnesota. In your top twenty five and one? I'm guessing no. Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. Not you, gotta, you know what? You you've never been a fan of Richard Patino, so I'm not surprised about that. I have always been a fan of Richard Patino, but sometimes I get asked about like every literally every day I get asked about this stuff. And here's my very simple answer on top twenty five and one. If you are good, if you if I believe in the preseason you're going to be good, I assume that you are until you show me you're not. And if I believe in the preseason that you're a, not a top 25 in one team, I believe that you're not until you show me that you are. And simply winning a bunch of games does not show me you're one of the 26 best teams in the country. Like it, it just means that you've probably played six teams that are better that are worse than you, which is undeniably the case with Minnesota. They have beaten Green Bay, Loyola Marymount, North Dakota, Boston College, UMKC. So, like, hey, 6-0 is the best you can do in your first six games, but they don't have any win that makes you go, I have to put Minnesota in. When they get there, if they get there, I'll be happy to do it. Same thing with Missouri. Like, right now, Missouri is off to a nice start, but has Missouri done anything to date that makes you go, oh, that's clearly one of the best 26 teams in the country? Not yet. They might come Saturday night, but they haven't yet. So um, I love Richard Pitino, and I'll be happy to rank the, um, the, the Golden Gophers. How about this? They play Illinois. They're scheduled to play. This is where I have to say all season. They're That's scheduled right. to play. I don't know, I don't know if they're actually going to play, but they're scheduled to play Illinois on Tuesday night. If you start the season 7-0 with a win over Illinois, I got to put you in, Bokok. You got no choice but to do it. All right, so San Diego State's 5-0. and Four of those wins have come against D1 competition. Beat UCLA by 15 to start the season. Then beat a UC Irvine team expected to be the best team in the Big West. Beat them by 19 points. That's the Anteaters. Anteaters, baby. Top 10 moniker in college hoops, no doubt about it. Then took out a Pepperdine team that's that's doing okay for itself. Took out Hold, Cat- hold up. They beat Catherine. You mean St. Catherine. I just like to call it Catherine. Well, San Diego ever- State and Pepperdine have in common the fact that they both have taken out St. Catherine. So St. Catherine's <laughs> What got is St. Catherine? Have you ever even heard of that? No shot. That, Parrish, <laughs> we're in that time of the schedule, pandemic or no pandemic, where, I mean, I didn't know what Fort Hayes State. Oh, I'm so glad I swerved into that. Fort Hayes State, winless D2 team. Knocks off Kansas State at Kansas State earlier this week. We had such a crazy Wednesday podcast, we neglected to mention it. Our colleague, David Cobb, has a story up at .com about it. Fort Hayes State didn't have its head coach, its first assistant, and I think one of its uh, starters. And yet, it still gets it done. Shouts to Fort Hayes State. Not good times for Kansas State. I, I texted my, my buddy and colleague, Brent Stover. He's a Kansas State alum. He's from Kansas, went to Kansas State. He he ran cross country at Kansas State, which means he was a competitive jogger in college. Mm. And um, you're going to offend cross country nation here. Wondering how many cross how, how many of our listeners like ran cross country in high school. We got to have some, but it's more than just competitive jogging. But I but hey, he's a, com- he's a competitive jogger. <laughs> I just get I I just uh, laugh when he when he I was yeah I was a former Big Twelve athlete. I was like hey, you were a competitive jogger. All if right. I asked you to run eleven miles today, would you even make it to mile three, Parrish? No shot. I could make it to mile three. Mile three right now. Do with, I have to run? Yeah. I have to competitive jog. <laughs> You got yeah you got you got to run competitively yes. When I walk eighteen holes, I, I that's about seven or eight miles. That ain't the same. I'm just saying. I don't I don't know if you can get to mile three. Uh, maybe mile four. Hey, is hey no I, shot. I'm not I'm not saying I'm a competitive jogger. Okay. I, I I am less impressive than your average Big Twelve competitive jogger. I'm just saying Stove was a he was a competitive jogger. So I texted him about the Fort Hayes State, and I also reminded him that the Anteaters got him a few years ago when they, when they won the Big Twelve. <laughs> he got so mad a few years ago because suddenly we were do, we were doing these inside college basketball shows every night. 
and it'd be like, you know, Russell Turner is one of the brightest. And it, he was like, you guys never said a word about Russell Turner until they beat Kansas State. Now you, it's Russ Turner every day. Kansas State's got real problems. They are, like, if you look at the Big 12, which has 10 teams, every half the league's in the top, like, 10 at yes. Ken Palm. All right? It's ridiculous. Like, half the league is legitimate national championship contenders. And then everybody is in the top, I think, seven of the teams are in the top 50. Every uh, Everybody except for Kansas State's in the top 75. And then Kansas State's at 151. Like, is there a bigger gap in any league in the country? Obviously, nope. somebody can look this up. I would say no between the next to last place team and the last place team than there is between Iowa State at 72 and Kansas State at 151. Kansas State, not only is coming out, you know, not only have they lost to Fort Hayes State, they are so detached from a computer perspective from the rest of the Big 12 that it is that that's unusual and a strong suggestion that they're going to finish way at the bottom. Way, way, way at the bottom. Um, I heard on SportsCenter that it was the first time a D1 team lost at home to a non-D1 in 20 years, which just doesn't seem accurate. Now, the, 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 the discrepancy with that is that some of these games are technically labeled exhibitions when they play them, and so this was a legitimate game on Kansas State's schedule. But, like, I remember LeMoyne beat Syracuse. I don't think that was an exhibition. So I heard that stat, and I, I still, I don't know, that didn't, that didn't ring true to me. But regardless, um, huge Well, I, I think the LeMoyne-Syracuse thing was an exhibition. I, I believe if you go back, Syracuse lost – one of those ridiculous games in the year they won the national title with Carmelo, but they certainly lost to LeMoyne. And yeah. I, I know Memphis lost to Christian Brothers, which is a D2 school. Right, yeah. A few, but, few years ago. That was, so that, that, ex, it, was that an exhibition? It, but it was an exhibition. Yeah, yes. so that's, that's the tricky part there. Okay, so fair enough, fair enough. Um, LeMoyne's nickname, can you name it right now, quickly? Five, four. Yeah, they are the Leather three. Ears. Yeah. Dolphins. Dolphins. Should dolphins the in the middle of New York. I don't know what's going on there. So, anyway, <laughs> we were dolphins, dolphins, dolphins in the Hudson. I saw a video yesterday. And Syracuse of a, of a, is nowhere near the Hudson. Like, I know. What I know, are we doing? You, well, you said New York. I was thinking New York City. I know we're. I've been to Syracuse. But oh. Boy, is there a weird? Is there a? Have you ever driven from? You probably have New York City to Syracuse. I, I've 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 driven from Southwest Connecticut Syracuse many 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 times. Yes, that's a hell of a deal, isn't it? I've I I held I held a long distance relationship with the person who still listens to this podcast when she attended Syracuse. I know the I know the drive extremely well. Yes, Jim Jim Beheim. <laughs> Not Jim Beheim. Anyway, continuing on, um, we were talking about San Diego. See, you'll do anything not to talk San Diego State. That's the no, other I'm, issue. I'm we're talk talking about a fan base that at one point unfurled a banner on a CBS Sports Network game that said, what was it, Gary Parish, you suck? And it was like no, it was 17 fire students. Gary, it was fire Gary Parish. It was just very, they kept it very simple. Fire Gary Parish. Front row on the court. I'm on. I'm in studio watching a game, and every time they go up and down the court, there's a big sign that says "Fire Gary Parish." I still get uh, uh, tweets from the uh, uh, a San Diego State fan every day, every day, without (laughs) exception. (laughs) I'm not even exaggerating. Every day. Oh man, I got just just so you San Diego State fans listening have to know, I had to beg him to get us to talk about San Diego State on this podcast today. By the way, Had to beg. Lie, when we were talking about, hey, what are we going to get to? I said, we'll talk about Kay and Duke and NATO's. And then I said, do you think San Diego State beating Arizona State is worth it? And and you said yes. And I said, okay. That was the end of the conversation. Was, okay. If that's what – I'm perfectly fine with going with that story. Hey, By the we, way – Are, are, are we going to – hey, are we going to spend uh, precious time on this podcast – Talking about a team that beat two shorthanded teams that were missing starters. That, that's what we're doing right now. So oh, man. <laughs> Arizona State. Listen, I actually, and I watched all of this. I, it was so the only I. game worth watching. I watched, they, and San Diego State won handily. So they've defeated Arizona State by 12. Went over UCLA. The huge, huge victory over St. Catherine. Shouts to Katie there. Apologies. And um, UC Irvine and Pepperdine. Pepperdine is also has a win at Cal. So, you know. Four wins against D one teams, and now they get um, they get BYU in a week, uh, and that will be uh, an interesting one as well. But yes, certainly a top twenty five team, and coming off two loss undefeated season are these Aztecs. Brian Dutcher's done a wonderful job, and you know certainly worth a mention. Arizona State, by the way, three and two, 
has lost to the two best teams it's played, and they were decisive defeats. So lost at home to San Diego State, and then I saw him lose in person to Villanova. Even if that was an ex- expected loss, um, the wins for ASU right now have come against Cal, Houston Baptist, and then uh, a six-point win over Rhode Island in Bubbleville to start the season there. Arizona State's next game actually comes this weekend, scheduled to be on Sunday against Grand Canyon. Keep an eye on that. I still think Arizona State has the most talent in the Pac-12, but uh, but we'll wait and see. San Diego State is the story. That was the biggest game on Thursday. They get it to uh, to get to 5-0, and and now they're going to have a little bit of a break here before two more huge non-con games, BYU, as I mentioned, and then they were they are scheduled to play against St. Mary's on December 22nd. So if those games can remain and San Diego State can win both of those games, then they're going to have a real chance and, and a real case to be uh, kind of top 15 level. And if we do get to that point, yeah, I mean, beyond them being like a good story last season, uh, we can start talking about Brian Dutcher uh, really keeping up what was handed him by by Steve Fisher because they made the tournament his first season, then won 21-13 and 13 the next season after that. They would have been a two-seed last season, finished uh, undefeated, of course, and now they are off to an undefeated start again at 5-0. and They look terrific. I mean, I've watched both of their big wins, and they look they looked the part in both games. I I had San Diego State in the preseason top 25 and one up until Malachi Flynn announced that he was entering the draft. You know, at the time he was projected as a second round pick. He he ends up going 29th overall to Toronto. So he's best friends with Fred Van Vliet now. I I, I didn't think that would t- take San Diego State from good to bad, but I thought it would take San Diego State from ranked to unranked. And yet here we are on a Friday morning. Um, on December 11th and San Diego state at the very least is, is in my top 25 and one. And also I believe in the AP poll already. So you're exactly right. Brian Dutch is doing an incredible job. Like there are some people who would chalk up what happened last season uh, to Malachi Flynn was a real difference maker. And obviously he was the biggest part of that, but he clearly wasn't the only part of that because they didn't replace Malachi Flynn with another first round draft pick, but San Diego state looks good again. All right, you want to uh, you want to pick some games this weekend? Give people an idea of what they need to need to be on the lookout for. Okay, if you remember last season, we would do five picks every Friday, and then we kept a running tally of the competition. I feel like I won running away. You did not actually. I won, so you technically owe me tickets to a concert of my choice whenever those things are allowed again. How about that? I ended up uh, losing a bet for concert tickets right in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of our lifetime. I can't even cash in on this. I know. <laughs> Final four and one, by the way. So, oh, oh, I forgot what it was called. Yes. Final four and one. Correct. So, I, uh, honest to God, had no recollection. That's of fine. So, I'm gonna one. I'm gonna offer up a game here. So, I know you got five. So, you're gonna have to ditch one of these. So, just so you. I know. did pick five. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. That's right. Final four and one. I forgot the way we did. Oh I my forgot gosh. the entire this, structure of this. Forgot so we haven't done it so far, but I did it here. And let, let me, before we get into this, okay, for the second consecutive season, let me say this. Yes. We are terrible at picking games. I mean, speak for yourself. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> All right. about. All right. Like, you, you, if you are out there actually taking gambling advice from writers, <laughs> you're, you're, that's not smart. This is just a, this is a vessel to alert people to the schedule with a quick commentary on a, a game's winner or loser or just a cover. That's all it is. So just to refresh people as they head into their weekend on a Friday, here's what you need to be on the lookout for. That's exactly right. It is a vessel to talk about games, and then it's like, hey, we'll give you picks too. But, like, the picks are probably bad. Like, our, our buddies uh, uh, Jeff Goodman and Rob Doster are doing, like, a best bets podcast. Every, like, hey, we'll give you the best bets of the day. I'm like, you guys don't know what the best bets are. <laughs> like, shut up. You're terrible. You don't know what the best well, – we have the best bets. Like, no, no, you don't. No, you these don't. are the, By the way, we will never, ever market this as best bets. Like, yeah, no shots. <laughs> No, no shot. We should call it final four and one worst bets. World's okayest bets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, like if you're bored, what, throw yeah. some money down. Whatever. Bets. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So final four and one. Game yeah. one. Yes. Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern, Florida at Florida State inside the Malik J. Beasley Center. Oh, boy. You can watch it on ES. You see his wife filed for divorce? I No. No. <laughs> Malik J. Beasley. <laughs> By the way. No, I, I didn't see that. I named the arenas in the way that the arenas are actually named. So Florida State plays inside the Donald L. Tucker Center. So now it's the Malik J. Beasley Center. His wife did file for divorce. Turns out you can't hold hands with Larsa Pippen in Miami 
and then have be photographed without your wife filing for divorce. So oh. Malik Beasley, Malik J. Beasley going through it a little bit. Do you know what the J stands for? Uh, jumper. I don't know. What, what? John Michael. Okay. Malik John you're way Michael. Too in, you're way too up on this, by the way. I looked it up last night. Malik J. Beasley way too Center. up on it. It's going to be on ESPNU. Ken Palm has it. Florida State minus three. Make your best bet, Norlander. Um, all right. Real quick on this. So, what San Diego State's fan base is to you has become what Florida State's fan base is to me. But it's it's through no specific intent. Absolutely zero malice. But I think I'm about to lean into this bit. And I think that I'm going to pick against Florida State every single time because I have Florida State fans that find, like, we had to pick Indiana versus Florida State for the Big Ten ACC Challenge for .com earlier this week. And I genuinely thought that Indiana would cover, and it did, and that Indiana would win, which it did not, but the game did go to overtime. And... Like Florida State fans, just they they're screen grabbing all of our picks. No no surprise, Norlander's picking against the Knolls and all this. Like it's not so. Anyway, if you want to play like that, FSU fans, let's just have a little fun and do this. I got the Gators walking in and winning straight up. Yes, it is straight up. It is amazing to me. Like it's not entire fan bases, but there's like there's a handful in every fan base where they draw incredible conclusions from everything you do or say. Like, oh, like I, like I got a tweet the other day. I don't remember even what it was about. I think it was about North Carolina. And it was like, I don't even know what I did. And it was like, well, it's no surprise. Parrish has always hated North Carolina. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Why would I hate North Carolina? I don't even know. I don't even know what the root of it is. And so you're dealing with that with Florida State fans. I, I deal with it. There's some in every fan base. Like, oh, well, Parrish has always hated Minnesota. Like, what? I've never even thought of Minnesota until Baca got there. You know? So what do we, I don't even, people are crazy. Anyway, I'm not betting against Leonard Hamm. I love Florida State. Okay. I think that's been well established. Um, uh, Florida State is 2-0. and Scotty Barnes with the, how about Scotty Barnes in great. transition? Yep. Yep. It, like, it, that was a great moment. He didn't have a great game, but boy, he had a great moment. So they're now 2-0, got a win over Indiana. Florida is 3-0, went over Boston College. I still think it's like just uh, go back to, I don't know, go back 20 years or 15 years or 10 years. The idea that Florida's former starting point guard is now Gonzaga's backup point guard is, is wild. Yeah. But there was some uh, thought when he transferred, Andrew Nimhart, of course, that it was like they didn't mind it so much at Florida because they just wanted him out of Trey Mann's way. And Trey Mann, so far this season, 15.3 points, 4.0 assists, 1.7 steals in 29.7 minutes per game, shooting 50% from the field, 62.5% from three, low volume, but still, 84.6% from the free throw line, leading the team in minutes. So one of the biggest problems with Florida last season was that their five-star McDonald's All-American freshman didn't play like it. And at least so far this season, Trey Mann has taken that jump that you would want him to take. That said, I'm not bet. I would never go against Leonard Hamilton and Stan Jones. So Florida State uh, minus three is is clearly uh, my. Are you keeping track of these? Norlander? I got it. All right. I so got you've it. got you've got Florida plus the three. I've got Florida State minus the three. Game number two, Saturday, noon Eastern, Notre Dame at Kentucky inside Chapman Arena. You can watch it on CBS. It's America's most watched network. Network of stars. Kim Pom has it Kentucky minus eight. Minus eight. That's a big number. That's for a, a team big that, number. That's, that's, that's a big number for a team that keeps getting slapped around by everybody. That's a big number. Notre Dame almost was able to pull it off against Ohio State earlier this week. Uh, I will take Dame to cover that number. I'll, I'll give me Kentucky to win. But yeah, give me Notre Dame to cover. Yeah, they famously played a great Elite Eight game back in 2015. Kentucky won at 68-66. Carl Anthony Towns had 25 points in 25 minutes. Um, neither of these teams are at that level uh, heading into this one. But, yeah, like I, I, think, I don't think Kentucky is as bad or will be as bad as Kentucky has looked. But I'm not laying eight points with Kentucky against basically anybody right now. So, yeah, Notre Dame plus the eight. I'll be right there with you. Game three, Saturday, 
8 p.m. Eastern, number six, Illinois, at Missouri, inside Anthony Peeler Arena. You can watch it on, boy, SEC, SEC Network Alternate? What? Like you can't even get on SEC. Like it's like it's like if you go to what? SEC Network and then you go down a channel. There's like another thing, and like it'll be there. Like this is undefeated Missouri against number six Illinois. It's a rivalry game, and we got to go to an alternate SEC network. What? what Illinois Missouri is on SEC Network alternate. Alternate. Uh, I like. I had to the make Pac-12 sure I had it. network is offended by that programming decision. <laughs> what are we talking about yeah. right now? I got. I had. To, I actually went when I was doing all this prep last night. I went to my DirecTV guide, and I was like, do I even have that? Like, what am I going to – how am I going to be able to watch – SEC con- Network alternate? SEC Network alternate. Like, there's something else on SEC – they're like, all right, this is on SEC Network, and we'll put Missouri, Illinois on the alternate. What are we doing? Uh, quite clearly, SEC Network's got some football game scheduled, and that's why – I would assume, But, like, yeah. they couldn't – Okay, whatever. Um, I'm going to take Illinois here. Uh, yeah, this is a home game for Missouri. Uh, I do love how this got decided. Like six weeks ago or whatever, Andy Katz, who does uh, work for the Big Ten Network, had both the coaches and I think the 80s. Like, they had a whole little Zoom uh, extravaganza, and he had a two-sided coin with Illinois on one side, Missouri on the other. Andy Katz flipped it. He deci- His flip decided this because it's almost always on a neutral, and this, uh, this year decided to... Uh, do the the antithesis of what like Xavier Cincinnati and Kentucky Louisville and all these schools that were trying to figure out what they were going to do with home and home rivalry situations. They were like, well, we always do it on neutral, but no, this year um, we're just going to do it on our campus. Missouri wins. They get the home game. But I'm going to take Illinois. Uh, you know, would love to talk Mizzou hoops if they can get a win here, and we will on Sunday. If Mizzou wins, we will we will definitely we will chat up Conzo Martin's team here. Has a win over against Oregon to this point, um, but I can't go against Illinois at this point. I'm st- I'm still in on them. Parrish doesn't think it's the best team in the Big Ten. That's fine. That's his opinion to have. I do, and I'm so I'm going to take Illinois to win with a little bit of comfort. Uh, Iowa has the best big in the country and a million players who shoot above 55% from three. So I'm just going to trust that. Um, But obviously Illinois is also great. They just went into Cameron indoor and forced Mike Krzyzewski to cancel games. (laughs) I'm kidding. They did. Dominant performance there. They did. So like, yeah, like uh, Missouri's good, you know, and I think they are benefiting. If you look around the country right now, most of the teams that are good, they, they brought back a lot of people. And most of the teams that have struggled are like relying on new people. I do think that unusual offseason, limited practices, limited contact, no exhibitions, no scrimmages. I do think that's having a, a real impact on the season. You look at Missouri right now, top five scores, three juniors. I mean, three seniors, two juniors. Uh, you know, they're, they're experienced and they, they look the part. Now it's 4-0 with a win over shorthanded Oregon. But why is every Pac-12 team shorthanded, by the way? Every, why is every good Pac-12 team shorthanded? I, I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't. I want to know what the term shorthanded comes from. Where does that come from? What's the etymology for that? You know, shorthanded. What does that mean? I, I know what shorthanded means. I don't know where it comes from. But either way, the entire Pac-12 seems to be shorthanded so far this season. So um, other schools are taking advantage of it. San Diego State won, Missouri being another. But uh, Forno, and they started 59th at Ken Palm. They're now 44th, so moving in the right direction. This is year four for Conzo Martin. You know, made the NCAA tournament in year one, finished 12th in year two, 10th in year three. But he's got an experienced slash it appears pretty good team right now. Uh, evidence being that Ken Palm projects this Illinois minus one. So it should be a competitive game, rivalry game, but I'm with you. I'm not going to bet against Illinois at this point. I'll take uh, the fighting Illini as one point favorites on the road over Missouri. Is it your turn to pick a game? It's now? your turn. You got one more and then I okay. get the fifth. Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern. Number 13, Texas, at number two, Baylor, inside the Teagle Center. You can watch it on ESPN. Kim Palm has it. Baylor minus six. Give me Texas to cover here, Parrish. Texas has looked really, really good. This is a top four Ken Palm matchup. Texas is fourth. Baylor is currently first at Ken Palm. Yes, you heard me correct. Baylor currently rates better than Gonzaga at Ken Palm. I'm not sure when that flipped, but it's flipped in the past few days here. Um, yeah, I mean... 
I could be way off on this because Baylor wiped the floor with the Stephen F. Austin team that no one wanted to schedule. Uh, it won 83-52. I'll remind people that Baylor also beat the Illinois team that wiped the floor with Duke by 13 last week. But give me Texas. I do like this Texas team a lot, and I think that they definitely have the size and the athletes. So, yeah, I, this is a, to me, this is the best game of the weekend, personally, uh, and the metrics would support that as well. So I will take Shaka Smart. Come with it now! <laughs> Come with it now. Horns on parade. Baylor, 4-0. They're winning by an average of 27 points. Like you said, beat Illinois by 13. Then Illinois beat Duke by 15. They beat Washington by 34. Like, Baylor's legit, man. And Adam Flagler, the transfer from Presbyterian, coming off the bench, he's like Baylor's Jalen Wilson in the sense that he's not somebody a lot of people were talking about in the preseason, and yet he's awesome. He's averaging 15.9 points, shooting 38.2. Um, he averaged 15.9 points and shot 38.2% from three two seasons ago at Presbyterian. When somebody transfers up, you wonder, like, yeah, but is, is the number's going to drop so far. Not really. 15.3 points through four games with Baylor, shooting 55% from the field, 48% from three, 88% from the free throw line. He's been terrific. I cannot in good conscience pick against the Bears inside the Teagle Center. So I'll take Baylor. I'll lay the points. Minus six. All right, fair enough. Uh, as is custom here, I will, before I get to the fifth game, let me just give you the heads up on other games you need to be aware of. If you name some Friday games, I'm, I'm going to give you one Friday game. Marquette <laughs> at UCLA. Guess the network. Guess the network. Marquette at UCLA? Guess the network, yes. It's going to be on the Pac-12 network. That's right. It's on the Pac-12 network. I'll, I'll never see it. They could, they, somebody could get shot in the middle of the game. I'll never see it. Marquette at UCLA is a 9.30 Eastern tip. On the Pac-12 Network on Friday. That is the best game by far of Friday for everyone listening well in advance of that tip. Uh, that is an intriguing one. And I do happen to get the Pac-12 Network, so I will be. Uh, I will have that on and I will well, be Well, te text me if anything happens. I'm going to have I, it on the background. It's uh, it's going to be, I you know, decorate the tree kind of night in the Norlander household. Get the get the knickknacks up. And so do that. My, my direct TV bill is more than $300, and I have oh. never seen a Pac-12 Network game. Got a badass over here. I know. I, just, <laughs> I know what you're saying, though. Um, that's the best game on Friday. There's a few other ones that just, you know, Nova, Georgetown, St. John's, Seton Hall, Iowa State, Iowa. I mean, Iowa State's just not a factor this season. So, uh, you know, we'll see if Luca Garza can go back to, to dropping, you know, like 38 points in a, in a half. But otherwise, um, that's what you need to be aware of on Friday. I, my game will come on Sunday. The only ones on Saturday we didn't mention uh, Clemson plays Alabama. That's a 7:30 ACC Network tip. Keep an eye on that. Xavier Providence got canceled or postponed. Uh, Xavier, Xavier has a positive COVID uh, in its program right now. Xavier actually had gone seven and zero against seven D1 teams and had played more D1 teams than anyone in college basketball at this point. But now it is going to be on pause, so it loses that game and it loses this game Tuesday against Seton Hall. So um, that was an intriguing game, but we lose that. We have Syracuse at Boston College at 1 o'clock on Saturday as well. Uh, I think that's intriguing. And then Utah-BYU, a very hated rivalry, is 6 o'clock on Saturday. Sunday, I'm, I think the game that you had picked here is not the game that I'm going to pick. So, was your fifth game Stanford at USC? No, it was Richmond at West Virginia inside Devin Ebanks okay, Coliseum. And then, the then we are on the same we are on the same page. So just so people are aware, though, Stanford at USC, a 9.30 Sunday night tip. And then Rhode Island at Western Kentucky – Oddly intriguing. CBS Sports Network, noon on Sunday. Uh, that's a huge opportunity for Rhode Island, which has played. I don't have its stuff up here. I, Rhode Island, to me, feels like it's played like the hardest schedule in America to this point. Like It's, it's played like a lot of legitimate opponents there. It, it, feel, it feels like I've watched Rhode Island more yeah. times this season than I've watched all like in my life. I'm, I I'm, GP, I'm with you on this. I, I, every, time I, every time I turn on the TV, I feel like Rhode Island's playing. Or I'm, or I'm there watching Rhode Island. I completely, completely, completely agree with you on that. So just keep an eye on Rhode they, Island. They, they, play, they played Arizona State, Boston College, South Florida, San Francisco, Seton Hall, and Wisconsin. They have played one, two, three, four, five, six top 105 teams at Kinball. I bet nobody else has done that. I don't think so. I mean, I think they've they've, they've been as uh, yeah they've just, they've just been <laughs> as prominent and present as any team uh, that's been out there. So anyway. Um, all right, the game. So we do agree that the the game I'm going to give is a game a GP hat. So that's Richmond at West Virginia. That's a one o'clock Eastern 
It's Sunday inside, tip. It's, 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 oh, inside, it's inside Devin Ebing's Coliseum. Well, I was gonna I was gonna say Mike Ganzi Coliseum, but fair enough. However you want to however you want to define it, I'm good with it either way. Mike Ganzi shouts 2005 2006 Mountaineers. Um, I was wondering if you were gonna go to Sean Butler, but regardless, West Virginia, which is so it's Friday. So West Virginia is scheduled to play North Texas today. And then it will turn around on two days rest and then play Richmond. Uh, keep an eye on that. This is an eight-point line, according to Ken Palm, heading in in favor of the Mountaineers. Richmond has not played since December 9th. That was all of two days ago. It beat Northern Iowa easily by 10 points. It's 4-0. Has wins over Kentucky, Moorhead State, and Wofford. Chris Mooney's team is obviously looking like it can be the best in the A-10. Can it take out the Mountaineers? GP, who do you like on this line? Richmond plus eight or WVU minus eight? You're talking to the MC of Atlantic 10 Media Day. Why do you even have to ask me a question? Okay. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think I'm gonna do? You think I'm trying to lose my MC job, Master of Ceremonies job? I don't think you did it this year, though, did you? No, but that's because we were uh, we were limited to Zoom calls, and my wife was isolated with COVID. <laughs> So I could both legitimate reasons. Can't <laughs> yeah, that. so I was uh, I was out the loop, but I I'm planning on going back someday. And so like, I'm like I I don't want to get a, a a phone call from our man Drew Dixon. He's like, uh, GP, we've replaced you with Rob Doster <laughs> because you picked against Richmond on December. I'm not picking against Richmond. I'm I'm taking the points. All right, you're gonna take Richmond. I'm gonna take West Virginia. I do. I, I will say this. It, Richmond's 4-0 and ranked 19th in the AP poll. Yeah. And that's all based on they're undefeated with a win at Kentucky. Well, and they were also expected to be, you know. Yeah, right. Really, really, they're, 58, they're 58 at Ken Palm. Like, know, like the, the computers do not love. The well, that's also a projection at this. I understand. But that's a lot of that I expected to be. Like, this is not just data based off this season. But I know what you're saying. 47 to Torvik. Also projection, I know, not just not data, not just data just yet. I not all in season data. I know what you're saying. So you're, so I guess like, you've like, gone from like, defending the spiders to killing them, uh, Mr. No, MC just, of, of A10 Media Day here. I'm providing context. Oh, okay. Uh, Richmond is ranked in the top 20 based off it's undefeated. Was supposed to be good, and they beat Kentucky. But everybody beats Kentucky. Josh Pastner beat Kentucky, then went inside Pinnacle Bank. And unveiled a COVID pinata. Oh. My God, we haven't even talked about the COVID pinata. It's just a, every. I, I'm <laughs> so thankful you brought that up. By the way, first of all, Georgia Tech walked in the Pinnacle Bank because everyone. There was a time when Parrish actually tried to establish a narrative on this podcast that nobody walks into Pinnacle Bank, when in fact, pretty much everyone just walks into Pinnacle Bank and gets <laughs> themselves a win. And then Josh Passner breaks out of COVID. Uh, just uh, first of all, I think he made it. We're in agreement with this. No, like, you can order it on Amazon. I went can. and I I was on the verge of ordering one. I was maybe three drinks in. Like my wife called me yesterday. I swear to God, this is true. Oh my, my wife God. called me yesterday, and she goes, uh, she goes, she thought she she goes she was laughing, and I said, "What?" She goes, "You won't believe what Oliver put in the cart." Our first grader. She's like, "You won't believe what Oliver put in the cart on Amazon." And I was like, "What?" She was like, "He found the COVID pinata and put it in the cart because he has Amazon on his iPad." And I was like, "Oh, that's funny." And I, uh, I didn't want I didn't want to admit to her that I, I it was actually me. I did that. I was gonna buy a COVID pinata. I was you so played inspired. It off. I was so inspired by the Yellow Jackets, I almost bought a COVID thing on it. that Passner opted to have his team celebrate and threw candy on the floor. Like, his, <laughs> his guys are, like, going after it on the floor. Like, just, I texted Passner. I was like, I, genuinely funny. Like, just, this was, this was wild. Like, I had a little fun with it on Twitter. He said, no, thanks. I appreciate it. But he's, like, he's, like, scooping it out of a cooler and, like, throwing it onto the floor. And the guys are like, yeah, candy. <laughs> like I It's just, so uh, funny. Like, it really... Uh, Sam Vecini, who is on, he's been on this podcast this entire time. Just That's correct. Yet. Um, That's right. He tweeted like it looked like Michael, a Michael Scott scene from the office, and it, honest to God, did. Like yes. the part where he pulls it out, and the it's so funny. Like the the idea, like I think most people are laughing at Josh Pastner with the COVID pinata. I was laughing at the unveiling of the COVID pinata because he brings it out of an Amazon box. That's how I knew you could probably find it on Amazon. He ripped it out of an Amazon box, and. And his players are looking like, what is coach getting? What is he, what is he pulling out of this box? And then one of the players says, he got a COVID ball. <laughs> and then Josh, this is the part that sounded exactly like Michael Scott. He said, yes, it's COVID ball. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was I was dying laughing about. Yes, it's, it's confirmation. Yeah. That yes, I am holding a COVID ball was the funniest thing in the world to me. And then of course they smash it, get their candy out. You know, you do what you got to do. You, whatever inspires your players. Do what you got to do. Georgia Tech's riding, uh, riding high, riding hot at two and two after an zero and two start. By the way, it's scheduled. Its next game is at Florida State on Tuesday. If that can indeed happen there. All right, so we've got our five picks in. We gave you everything you need to know about this weekend. Everything and I, you know, everything you need to. Well, know. just about yeah. Parrish and I lots, looks like lots we of uh, you don't, lots of things you don't need to know. I mean, did you take Notre Dame, by the way? That's the only one I didn't mark down. You have Notre Dame plus eight against Kentucky? You with I me did. on that? I did. I can't lay eight points with Kentucky after after the, the, the COVID ball yellow jackets just ran them off the court. Right, so we have eight, uh, agreement on points. Notre Dame plus eight and agreement on Illinois beating Missouri. But otherwise, we disagree on Florida, Florida State, Texas, Baylor, Richmond, West Virginia, which is just how I like it. All right, let's get out of here. We got a Friday to get to. I got to decorate a tree tonight. Get the Christmas stuff going on the vinyl, by the way. Get it going. Get the mood right. Put all the ornaments, like, you know, halfway up the tree so my two-year-old doesn't just knock them over and break them all in the next two days. That's going to be fun. Our tree's been up since Thanksgiving. I don't surprise. You used to go, like, three trees in your house, by the way. You still doing that or what? Nah, we've simplified everything in our home. Uh, once you have three kids, it was easy to have three trees with one kid. Yeah. But, one one but, tree, three kids. Yeah. Once you, we got too many kids, there's too many people in my house. I love them all, but there's too many people live here. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have to look inward on that and really come to terms with it. I don't know what to tell no, you. So. No, our, our oldest son actually sits down with us and says, why'd, why'd you, you do this to do me? This? Yeah. Well, why'd you do this to me? Why'd you do this to yourself? You know, like he's like, he's, he's very real practical. He's like, you realize I would be going, I'm going off to college and you guys could just like relax. Why'd you do this? We'll and, get out, yeah, and, we'll get out of here on this. But I, I like, this is one of those passage of time things. And this is for like the OG listeners truly of this podcast. Um, I remember, like, I actually remember when I would bring you on with Goodman and the roles were reversed and you would be talking about like, my son is you know, just getting ready to start middle school or just getting finished with grammar school. And now he's talking about going, it's just, it's, I, I, that's just wild to me. That's just insane. So, yeah. Oh yeah. He's going, he's a senior. He's going to college next year. Wild. That is wild. uh, And and like, like for people who don't know, he was an only child till he was 11. We, we, we had a long gap between our first child and our second child. So it is, I could be 44 years old and an empty nester. Just go play golf every day. And instead, I got, I've got a four-year-old. <laughs> what? What do we do? Why do we do this? I just, I, I just hope he never comes back and finds this podcast. That's all. No, I love my boys. I wouldn't undo anything. I'm just questioning why we did it. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't undo it. I love them. I love my boys. But I, from a, from a quality of life perspective, <laughs> I don't know if it's the smartest thing to do. Uh, but whatever. Hey, get, give the shouts, and why don't, you, uh, why don't you shout out your youngest boy here on the, on the, to wrap it up, you know? Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF, and Teagle. Legend. Shouts to Larnell. Shouts to Little Lou. And thank you guys for listening once again to the Ion College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest, like the stupidest pandemic of my lifetime. If you enjoy it, please tell somebody about it. And if you're not subscribed yet, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. Do that. Either way, we're going to talk to you again on Sunday night. Until then. Take care.